Hello fellow adventurers and welcome back to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. This week I am talking about a situation most of us have already experienced more than once. Let me give you an example. Your opponent just sits there quietly, almost paralyzed, staring at the board. Seconds go by, minutes go by and you start looking at your phone because there is just nothing else to do. The situation I talk about is analysis paralysis and... Believe me, it's pretty difficult for a German to pronounce that word. So I try my very best in the show today. Um, and although analysis paralysis depends to a large extent on a player's experience with the game and his or her skill to process information, it is also strongly dependent on whether a game tends to cause complex situations that lead to analysis paralysis um, or not. And since it is certainly no fun to watch your opponent pondering, I want to explore where analysis paralysis comes from and show you 15 possibilities you can consider when designing your game to reduce this effect um, as much as possible. So let's get right into it. What is analysis paralysis? When we talk about it from the board game perspective, it tries to describe the situations in which the decision-making process is just too complex for the players. That can be because um, there are just too many choices available or the consequences of the choices may be too difficult to evaluate for the players. And as a result, the players think and think, they keep thinking um, and um, they do not really take a decision in time and um, all the other players have to wait until um, this player has um, come up with a, with a good decision for himself. So that's what we call analysis paralysis. But what is the reason behind analysis paralysis? In typical board games um, you take one action at a time and um, you as a player want that action to be as good as possible um, because you want to win the game, of course. Um, And if there are many potential actions that you can take, um, you have to consider each of those actions and evaluate um, if it increases your chances to win the game. And what makes this situation even worse is if the situation you make does not only impact um, your, the current state, board state, it also um, has some impact on the future. In some games, you might have to balance your choice between um, a short-term goal and a long-term goal. And that might be a complex decision to take. Or you have to take into account um, how your opponent will react on your decision. And maybe you even have to think about how you then will react on your opponent's reaction. And all of that together can just lead to situations in which taking a single action requires a lot of mental work and thus a lot of time and if this mental works grows too much um, analysis paralysis is the outcome and this can be the um, really the downside of um, 
games that are very um, deep and complex in um, in strategy. So the question really is, what can we do about it? But before we answer it, we can also think about who is responsible for um, analysis paralysis. Is it be the players because they just do not have the mental capability um, to handle all the choices? Or are we as designers maybe responsible because... Um, Our game is too complex, um, has a lot of um, information to process, uh, more than might be needed. Um, and yeah, that's what we are trying to analyze today. So sometimes, of course, analysis paralysis results from players' inexperience. Yeah, I mean, if the player does not know the game at all or um, does not know all the possible choices because um, maybe he doesn't know all the cards that are available or... Um, does not um, understand the rules completely, does not know the, the different paths to victory, um, that can, of course, lead to, um, to a lack of processing the complex information. But in most cases, um, we have to question ourselves as a game designer because um, often we missed um, to make the correct decisions during the game design phase um, in order to prevent these super hyper-complex situations to, um, from arising. But how can we really prevent those situations? And that is exactly what we are going to discuss today. And I have prepared 15 possible, yeah, let's call them countermeasures. Um, if you have the feeling that your game tends to, to be on the complex side and tends to foster analysis paralysis, um, you can think about um, implementing one of those different um, options that I'm going to present to you today. Um, The simplest way of reducing analysis paralysis is by um, yeah, optimizing the number of choices and you can do that by simply remove choices. But before we start to yeah, simply remove all of the choices that we have in our game just for the sake of removing it and making it more simple, I want to um, slow down a little bit and just take a look of at possibilities in games and choices in games um, because options and decisions are not a bad thing actually this is what makes um, board gaming fun it is the core of board gaming um, almost all the board games consist of a system for decision making and um, a corresponding reward system and typically we as players try to gather information during the game, we make predictions, and we finally um, transfer those into game decisions. And if we did that correctly, we get some reward in form of gold, victory points, killed enemies, um, or whatsoever. And at the end, we win the game. And we want to win the game because of the decisions we made and not just because of um, yeah, a random event, for example. And what I mean by that is that decisions in general are a good thing. Options are a good thing. Um, and information processing also is a good thing. But sometimes it can be simply too much. And instead of being fun, decision making can become stressful and daunting. Um, because no one wants to make a mistake, right? I can understand that completely. Um, And um, so reducing options might be necessary for your game to be or to remain fun. But consider that options and choices are what makes fun in the first place. 
So the goal really is um, to limit the choices players can can make um, so that they are not overwhelmed, but still let them feel like um, like they are in control because that is what um, what derives fun. And there are a lot of um, ways of implementing this. And um, yeah, let's talk about it. The first one I already uh, mentioned, it is about um, removing choices. And when we talk about removing choices, we have a lot of different um, possibilities to do so. Um, the goal really is to remove the insignificant choices um, that are not the core part of our game um, in order to limit the factors players need to think about, need to take into account. So the first way to reduce analysis paralysis is to simply remove entire game elements or mechanics. You should ask yourself, are there any game elements or mechanics that I can get rid of without changing much in actual gameplay? Let's say mm, positioning is part of your game. Um, you could get rid of positioning by um, adding a rule that says you have to deploy units always to let's say, the right side of your front line. And the players then no longer has to have to make the decision where to place their units. Um, and they can instead focus on how to use that unit instead. The second way to reduce analysis spells is to remove resources. Um, the goal is to make your game work with the fewest possible resources. If your game starts with seven cards in hand and you decided that because magic did it that way and most other card games as well try and challenge that by playtesting with five cards in hand by that you can easily um, reduce the possible options for players and uh, the game might play completely the same but um, analysis paralysis might be um, happening less often another example could be a building in your game. Let's say the cheapest building in your game requires 10 stone, 12 wood and five different kind of workers. Ask yourself why it um, doesn't require just one stone, one wood and one generic worker. Would this change um, your game drastically? If no, you should at least try to simplify here because um, the more of each resource you have available, the more you can do with each, each resource, the more complex it gets to, to come up with a decision. And um, yeah, maybe it makes sense to simplify here a little bit. The third um, way to reduce analysis paralysis is to remove choices by adding constraints. Because maybe you can't or you don't want to remove a certain game element entirely, but maybe you can remove some choices from it by adding additional constraints. Let's um, take a game and look how this could help to reduce the number of choices. The game that I want to talk about is Draftosaurus. In Draftosaurus, each player has a zoo board with different areas and um, then dinosaurs are drafted as cards and... Oh no, they're not cards, they're uh, tokens. Um, and they can be placed in the different areas. And... Um, The choice a player has to make here really is um, which dinosaur do I pick for which of my areas. This is a tough decision or would be a tough decision um, to make because a lot of things need to be considered. So I guess this was the reason why um, the designers chose that they want to simplify that. And how could this situation be simplified? 
for example, by adding a constraint. And in this case, the constraint could be that the dinosaurs uh, cannot be deployed to all of the areas in the zoo. Um, and this could be a predefined order, for example, um, that um, defines to which area the dinosaurs can go. Um, for example, in round one, dinosaurs could only be deployed to the woodlands. And in round two, they could only be deployed to the grasslands and so on. This would drastically reduce the mental load um, from the players um, when they have to make the decision which dinosaur to pick. But that is actually not how the designers chose to, um, to remove the choices here. They um, went another road. And that is the next advice that I would like to give you is um, add randomness. Because what they actually did is they removed the choice from the players by, not by adding constraints, but by adding randomness. Um, this has a similar effect, um, but instead of exactly prescribing how something acts, um, it is randomized how it acts. In Draftosaurus, for example, um, each round um, a placement die is rolled that determines which area dinosaurs have to be deployed to during this round. That is, again, a constraint that massively reduces the number of choices a player has, but it is randomized instead of pre-described. Um, Note also that the randomization does not completely remove the possibility to, to analyze the results. Uh, I mean, you could still as a player um, analyze what would happen if I um, throw area 1 or area 2 with my next die roll. Um, and so you could um, think, try to think the through the entire decision tree um, with possible um, outcomes. But... Most people um, don't do that and um, yeah, don't bother with, us, uh, with this information. The fifth way of reducing analysis paralysis is to reduce player interaction. If you look at games like Magic the Gathering, for example, you um, can always react on every action um, the opponent um, does and this can um, yeah, lead to endless amount of if-then possibilities um, yeah, and each of those possibilities um, yeah, can be thought through and some people do that and if you give the players the possibility to interact with each decision that you make um, yeah, you create a lot of mental effort and if you reduce the um, possibilities to interact um, this can also um, have a huge impact on um, analysis paralysis and also on the length of the game um, i mean it has a reason that most digital or a lot of digital card games um, that uh, came out after magic the gathering um, completely um, got rid of the possibility to to interact with um, with the players or with player actions directly for me personally, it's always very difficult to answer the question whether or not I want to have um, direct reactions in my games, um, yes or no. But um, the reason for that is because I really like um, games that allow you to react um, to player actions because um, yeah, all the, there's a lot of fun involved in it. But it adds a lot of complexity and um, so that's the reason why I often um, 
try to limit the the reactions as much as possible without losing um, the fun part of it. So maybe it makes sense to um, have specific actions that um, players can react to, but not all actions. But that really really depends a lot on um, yeah on the context of the game that you try to build. However, keep in mind reducing player interaction can have a huge benefit uh, benefit on um, yeah analysis paralysis. Okay, we now have um, discussed five ways um, of reducing analysis paralysis by removing choices. Um, the first one was uh, remove game elements or mechanics completely, then remove resources. Um, the third one was uh, remove choices by adding constraints. The fourth one was uh, remove choices by adding randomness. And the fifth one was remove choices um, by reducing player interaction. But the world is not always black or white and um, the possibility to remove choices completely is not always given. But yet we want um, yeah, to make choices easier for the player so that they can process um, it faster. And we can do that by reducing the amount of information to process. And the goal really is to give players um, sufficient information to take interesting um, choices um, towards the goal of the game, but not so much information that they um, yeah, <laughs> get into the problem of analysis paralysis. And there are different ways of doing that. The first one, for example, is, and a very strong one, is to hide information. Um, because if you don't know about something, you cannot really analyze it. Hidden information really is a very strong way of producing analysis paralysis, especially without affecting the rest of your game by much. And how do you achieve hidden information? Well, that's quite easy. You can, um, for example, put cards in to the hand of the player instead of um, having them revealed on the board. Or um, all the objectives of the players could be hidden. Or all the victory points could be hidden that the players already achieved. So um, you do not really know um, whether or not your next move um, is positive or negative or how positive or how negative for the, for the opponent. Because all um, the information that would be required to make that decision are simply not there. They are just hidden for you. So you can only make some assumptions maybe depending on the game, how it plays. Let's take Carnival of Monsters as an example. Um, in this game, you pick objectives um, during the draft. So it might be that the opponents um, have seen these cards before. Maybe not, but at least they do not know who picked which um, objective. And then you take that objective and place it hidden on a pile um, in front of you. And um, yeah, it is not possible for the opponents to calculate how many victory points you already have. And these objectives could, for example, give you additional victory points per, let's say, green monster. And if this would be um, revealed so that everyone can see this objective, it might influence the decisions of um, all the players on the table if um, whether or not they pass a green monster to you or not. And by having this information um, hidden and not revealed, it reduces the mental load of the other players because they do not um, have to take all of that into account when they make their decision. But you should note that even with this information being hidden, 
it might still be possible to know something just because players um, remember the cards because they have seen it um, when they were passed around during the draft portion um, or they know all the possible cards um, of the entire set and take them into account when they make their decisions. But this is typically something for the more experienced players and something that does not come up too often. And I mean, those players that really think about um, those kind of um, complex situations and board states and what if um, analysis, they typically the ones that can process information quite fast and yeah, they are not so often responsible for the long waiting times uh, that arise from analysis paralysis anyway. The next way to reduce um, yeah, the impact of analysis paralysis is to make changes of the board state incremental. A lot can happen between two turns in a board game. You get new cards, um, new resources or new workers that you can place. And there's also the stuff that your opponent did that you have to um, consider. The opponent has deployed new minions um, on the board or occupied a spot that you also wanted to place your worker on and so on and so on. If you could freeze the entire board um, at a given time, you have a board state. And based on that board state, with all its nuances, you can typically evaluate a situation and build a strategy. Um, and when there is relatively little change to that state of the game between your last round and your next round, you can use the other player's turn to plan ahead. Um, that does not only give you something to do while you are waiting for your opponent, that also um, reduces the required thinking time on your own turn. But if the bot state changes a lot between two turns, your previous plans could be obsolete and you would have to come up with new plans um, altogether. While those dynamic situations um, in which the board state changes um, are fun and an integral part of the game, um, they also require a lot of anticipation from the players. That means it can be helpful to um, create some kind of stability in the games um, to reduce analysis paralysis. Dominion, Ascension, Ian's End and all the other deck builders um, are a great example for that because they all have um, a marketplace in the middle of the board um, that contains the cards you can acquire. Um, and you can always look at this marketplace and the cards that are available at the marketplace are more or less stable for the entire game. That means you... Yeah, you can look at them, you can come up with a strategy and that strategy typically does not change too much. Um, of course, you have to consider what the other players are doing and um, yeah, how the rest of the board develops. But having this staple area on the board is very helpful to decrease analysis paralysis. So sometimes it can be helpful to keep things stable in the game, even if we typically really like this dynamic changes of the board state. It can also be very helpful to break down um, the turns into smaller incremental steps. Yeah, by breaking down, um, for example, a turn into smaller phases. Um, this does not only reduce the time per round per player, 
but typically also the complexity of decisions um, to be made. By that you can reduce the mental load of players by making the decisions a little bit smaller and giving them the chance to make one step after the other instead of um, thinking the entire turn through. At the end this might only be a change in perceived complexity because they have to make the same amount of um, decisions at the end but this can also help to yeah to give the players some kind of guidance um, through the jungle of um, thousands of uh, decisions that they have to make. Another way um, of reducing analysis paralysis is to simply reduce the math in your game. Because <laughs> what takes a lot of time is adding, multiplying, dividing and all the other mathematical um, formulas that people have to um, calculate in their heads during the game. Because that can take a lot of time. Yeah? And if you reduce the need to calculate... Um, you yeah, free the the mind of people and um, give them the chance to focus on other things. And you can typically do that um, quite easily by adding components to the game like tokens, counters, cubes um, or tracks, for example, that help people to, yeah, to keep track of stuff in the game without um, having to think about it, without having to remember it because they have it um, visually on the board. That can really help. Another way to um, decrease analysis paralysis is to be very consistent and clear with your mechanisms um, and even with the goal of your game. That means if you are able to use the same mechanics over and over again or the same wording on your cards over and over again, um, it is easier to, for people to process it because yeah, they have seen it before and they know how to evaluate certain cards because maybe the power level um, of a mechanic is very flat, so always the same. So they can, yeah, they can faster evaluate how good a card is. The goal here really is to give players the chance to use their mental capacity on the strategy rather than the mechanisms and procedure of the game. So this should be as clear as possible and as consistent as possible so that the player's mind um, is freed up for the strategy part of the game. The same is true for the goals and objectives in your game because if it is not entirely clear how well the players are doing on their way to a goal or if a certain path is the right one, it is difficult for them because they want to want to um, yeah change their um, objective or their way how they want to win the game, and um, if you give them some kind of feedback how well they are doing and um, make maybe make the hints in the game quite loud, um, which let's say card helps them to to go into a certain direction. That can also be helpful to um, yeah to make a decision more easily what kind of um, yeah way they want to go in the game and that also brings us to the to the next point um, how the um, amount of information can be reduced to yeah to make a good choice because um, you can also make sure that uh, some choices in your game are quite obvious you can do that by um, yeah, ensuring 
a variation in value. And some moves, resources or cards in your game should should be better than others, um, especially for a certain strategy. And this advantage should be loud and clear in your game and should be visible for the players. Because this varying value helps them to make a decision easier. I know that sounds kind of stupid in the first place because yeah, the close decisions are the fun decisions, right? But they are also the ones that take a lot of time to process. And um, what I mean by having a variation in value is not that it's always obvious with which um, let's say card you pick or which um, position you um, place your worker on. But it might be helpful to have maybe um, th two or three good um, options instead of six or seven. So if you make sure that some of your options are definitely better for certain strategies in your game, um, you reduce the um, yeah, options for um, some of the players. Even if they have the option, yeah, it might not be a, a good one for them. Yeah, so they do not have to process all of the information because then they can really easily sort out some of the options because they are completely out of uh, scope for them. Okay, up to now we have talked about different ways um, of removing choices completely. And we have talked about different um, options, how to reduce the amount of information that needs to be processed. But uh, there's also maybe a subcategory of the second one, um, and that is consequences. Mental burden really comes also from um, evaluating all the consequences for, for the options. Um, because if a single decision that you take um, only impacts um, one other thing, that is easy to understand and easy to um, to go through and easy to process. But if this one decision impacts 10 or 15 or 20 other things, um, the time to analyze all the results um, yeah, is huge and maybe even impossible. So by reducing the consequences of a decision, you can also take off a, a, a lot of the mental burden of the players and um, yeah, free up their mind to make the decisions faster. And um, this is also a, a concept that is called um, opportunity costs. Um, because opportunity costs is something that you really give up when you make a decision. Um, so this is the opposite of the choice that you took because that's the, the thing that you lose when you take the decision. That means um, you cannot get it back. You cannot go back in time and reverse your decision. This um, thing that you didn't take is lost. And as a designer, you have to make sure that the um, impact of a decision is not too huge um, because it can scare players off. You, make, you have to make sure that um, you do not create too much fear of regret for the players. So otherwise, they will get stuck again. Maybe that's a, a, good, a good point um, to digress a little bit and to talk about sunk costs because sunk costs are very closely related to opportunity costs. Opportunity costs are um, the things that you give up when you make a decision. And sunk costs are costs that yeah, you cannot change anymore because you have made your decision and um, or something happened 
um, that yeah causes a cost for you, something that you don't have anymore or something that you have to pay for or whatsoever. And But you cannot change it. There's no way you can go back in time and change it. So you have to accept it. That And if you are living in the past too much and think about um, decisions that you could have made different um, and think too much about the sunk costs, that also... Um, requires a lot of mental energy for your in, that's something that's true for your entire life i mean if something um is destroyed that you really yeah that you really liked some maybe i don't know a cup or whatsoever you cannot you cannot be angry about it for more than a few seconds because um yeah it will require too much energy from you and um that is what i yeah what i wanted to wanted to tell you about about sunk cost and that's also um, during gameplay if you made a decision be aware of your opportunity costs but then after you made your decisions you have to you have to um, accept that the that the costs are sunk do not think too much about what you could have done different um, and try to think um, about all the other possibilities once you have made your decision just go with it and look forward and try to um, try to win the game Okay, but let's go. Um, let's get back to the um, to the topic, because uh, we wanted to talk about um, ways to reduce um, the perceived consequences in um, for a player. And the first one is um, really to reduce the impact of an action. And what I mean by that is that typically an action, or sometimes actions, can cause multiple things to happen. Let's say you have a card that. Um, has three different effects once you play it. It maybe destroys a creature, it destroys some kind of, let's call it um, enchantment, and it deals um, some damage to, to, to another creature. So there are a lot of opportunity costs to think about here because you could have done this damage to another creature or another player, or you could have destroyed this creature, or you could have destroyed this other enchantment. And by reducing the amount of actions um, a certain game component does, um, you also reduce the, um, the consequences. And the next thing that you can reduce is the interaction between elements. Um, that is pretty much um, what we yeah, refer to as combos and synergies and all the things that I really, really love in uh, tactical card games. But maybe it can make sense to reduce that um, that synergy um, effect or combo effect between certain cards because um, if you have a card that has a lot of triggers, let's, let, let's say you have a lot of triggers, for example, whenever you draw a card or whenever you play a card or whenever a creature dies or whenever a creature enters the battlefield if you have a lot of those um those triggers you create a lot of interactions between between cards and you have a lot of um let's call it consequences or um maybe also chains um, of things that can happen and um to process all of those This can, this can be difficult because you do not only have to evaluate um, the card or game component in a vacuum, you have to evaluate it in um, combination with all of the other 
cards and game components that, um, yeah, combo with it or are creating synergies with it. So reducing those interactions between elements can also help to um, reduce consequences. And the third thing is that you can make it way too difficult to foresee all the consequences. Um, yeah, I mean, in some games it's um, so complex um, that you cannot really think through the entire impact of your action. And um, yeah, I mean, this can also be a viable strategy to um, reduce analysis paralysis because a lot of players will yeah give up and just perform their actions um, and see what comes um, what will be what's the outcome but remember this can also be dangerous because some people will try to do their best to um, figure it out and um, analyze everything that can happen even if it's um, yeah almost um, impossible and before we come to an end of today's episode there are two very drastical things that you could do um, to um, reduce analysis paralysis and they both have to do something with yeah, let's call it time the first one is um, you can implement a timer in your game and um, yeah i mean this is this is hard but um, if you have a 30 seconds count uh, countdown for example or a chess clock in your game this will definitely um, reduce analysis paralysis i mean that's how um, digital card games do it for example uh, you have some kind of chess clock um, and that you can use up during during the game and um, so the timer makes sure that um, each player has the same amount of time to think through um, yeah, their options because it is an advantage if you have more time to think through um, your strategy um, than the other player. So it might be helpful to have some kind of timer here, but it will definitely change um, your game completely yeah? if you have a, have a timer. Let's, let's take um, XCOM, for example. There are a lot of decisions to be made so there's one player that has to um yeah more or less spend the resources and um distinguish um them between um between all the players and if there wouldn't be a timer and so much pressure on that player um, i'm pretty sure he would or she would face a lot of discussions and other people would try to influence um that player to give them um more of the resources but by having these this timer and this pressure on that person um yeah he or she is uh, forced to make that um that decisions um very quickly and so they yeah the timer is helpful there to reduce the analysis paralysis because there's just no time for it and the second um and last way of reducing analysis paralysis um with regards to time is to just have simultaneous action selection um, I mean, sure, that's not uh, something that you can implement in each and every game, but sometimes it can be helpful um, if um, you um, find out that there are certain phases in your game in which uh, one player or each and every player um, needs a lot of time to do that. And the other players are just waiting during that time 
try to play around with the idea of simultaneous action selection because um, if players could maybe perform the same action um, at the same time, you could save a lot of um, time in your game um, and reduce waiting time for the other players. And it could also, at least if there is um, analysis paralysis, it might happen that all the players um, have it at the same time and you do not... Um, add up all of that waiting time for the players. Okay, that's it for today's episode. I talked a lot about analysis paralysis and yeah, I have the feeling that I have improved pronouncing that word to the, the two words today um, because I just mentioned it so often. And um, yeah, I gave you 15 ideas that um, might help you to reduce analysis paralysis in your games. I hope you enjoyed the show today and um, yeah, if it was helpful, please um, subscribe to the podcast. Every subscriber is more than welcome and um, yeah, reach out to me, write me an email, um, join us on the NerdLab Discord um, or find me on all the social media by searching for um, Nerd Like a Boss or NerdLab and um, I will be more than happy to um, respond to all your um, messages. So until next week. Keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss.